chapter fourteen of the splendid outcast by george gibbs this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by tony oliva a night attack and even as he looked the faces were merged into the obscurity and vanished piquette clung to his arm whispering i had such a dreadful dream why jim what is it he started to his feet barry quinlevin there he gasped with her her clutch on his arm tightened here impossible i saw them you dreamed like me i can't believe they were there a moment ago let me go piquette no she gasped in a frightened whisper you must not follow i've got to to explain he muttered but she only clutched his arm the more firmly and he could not shake her off for she held him with the strength of desperation not now mon jim she pleaded i-i am frightened he glanced at her quickly and it seemed as if this were so for her face had gone so white that the rouge upon her lips looked like the blood upon an open wound it is just what he want mon jim for you to go after him what do you mean it would give him the excuse he want to shoot you nonsense defense personnel he knows the law he will kill you mon jim i'm not afraid i've got to go piquette no you shall not and leave me here alone there's nothing to be frightened about on a train full of people he managed to reach the door with piquette clinging to him and peered out into the corridor a guard was approaching oh et cette monsieur et cette dame he stammered ollendorf fashion and then his french failed him and he floundered helplessly pleading with piquette to finish what he wished to say but the man understood rattled off a rapid sentence and disappeared it is that they have gone into another carriage she translated you see it will be impossible to find them no he muttered but he knew that the delay had cost him his opportunity you must not leave me mon petit piquette pleaded at his ear i have fear of him he has seen us together now he knows that it is i who have told about monsieur le duc i who have helped you from the house in the rue charron everything i have fear jim laid a hand over hers and patted it reassuringly don't worry he can't harm you i'm not afraid when you are here she whispered and she won her way it was the least that he could do for her so he sat again thinking of the look in moira's eyes and frowning out of the window wondering how best to meet this situation while piquette clung to his arm and patted his hand nervously we should have watched for him mon jim at the gare de lyon i don't understand nor i how he got her to come with him muttered jim fiercely have i not told you he is a man extraordinaire a man to be watched to be fear how did he get her to come jim repeated as though to himself how did he 
there seemed no necessity to find a reply to that for there she was in the next carriage perhaps with this shrewd rascal whose power and resource seemed hourly to grow in importance it was difficult to believe that moira had listened to quinlevin had believed the story he had chosen to tell her directly after the convincing proof of his villainy directly after jim horton's own plea to save her what art what witchcraft had he employed the answer came in a shrewd guess of piquette's this was the fierce fast express to the mediterranean she said he knew you would go to monsieur de vautrin last night he found out i would go with you but how who knows she shrugged uneasily he turned with a frown and examined piquette with quick suspicion but her gaze met his frankly the thought that had sped through his mind was discreditable to her and to him for thinking it there was no possibility of her collusion with quinlevin her fear of him was too genuine hm he arranged things nicely to show her me with you parfaitement it is that only which made her come mon petit smooth muttered jim and she saw me all right he finished bitterly piquette was silent for a while she's very handsome she said at last and then and she found me asleep with my head on your shoulder yes muttered jim she did at the moment he could not think how much his words wounded her i am sorry mon petit she said gently his conscience smote him at the tone of contrition oh it doesn't matter of course he said there was no hope for me none but it complicates things a little yes i comprehend monsieur hopes to keep you from reaching the duc he won't succeed but i'd rather he hadn't seen me in the train or madame jim horton made no reply and was at once enwrapped in his thoughts which as piquette could see excluded her and after a glance at his face she too was silent the train stopping here and there rushed on through the darkness for hours it seemed to piquette and her companion still sat staring at the blank wall before him absorbed in his problem he seemed to have forgotten her and at last she could bear the silence no longer mon pauvre jim you love her so much as that she asked he started at the sound of her voice and then turned and laid his hand over hers i'm a fool piquette he muttered oh she shrugged then she turned her palm up and clasped his i am very sorry mon ami the touch of her hand soothed him in spite of the danger that she now ran only half suggested by what she had said she could still find words to comfort him selfish brute that he was not to think of her piquette i've gotten you into trouble no i got myself into it mon jim he made no reply and sat frowning the train had stopped again 
by contrast with the roar to which their ears had become accustomed the silence was eloquent as though their train had stopped breathless upon the edge of an abyss then small sounds emerged from the silence a complaining voice from an adjoining compartment the buzzing of an insect a distant hissing of steam then suddenly the night was split with a crash of sound and glass from the window was sprinkled over them another crash and before piquette had realized what was happening jim had seized her bodily and thrown her to the floor of their compartment and was crouching over her while the missiles from outside fired rapidly were buried in the woodwork above the place where they had sat six shots and then a commotion of voices here there everywhere and the sound of feet running inside the train and out lucky i pulled that blind said jim as he straightened glancing at the bullet holes Quinlevin, gasped piquette as she rose to a sitting posture jim horton got up and opened the door just as the guards came running with excited inquiries and seeing piquette upon the floor madame has been shot but piquette immediately reassured them by getting up frightened but quite unhurt by the window the shots came she explained quickly in french while jim exhibited the damaged panelling someone outside has fired at us they understood and were off again out into the darkness where there was much running about with lanterns and many cries of excitement while the other passengers crowded into the compartment and examined the bullet holes mouths agape is it a bush asked an excited mondaine of her compagnon de voyage not unlikely replied the other but jim horton knew better consideration for moira's position had kept him silent and inactive until the present moment but he was angry now at quinlevin's dastardly attempt at the murder of either or both of them so nearly successful and so when the officials of the train led by a fussy stout black-bearded individual in buttons returned to question him he answered freely his replies quickly translated by piquette describing quinlevin a monsieur with a moustache and imperial echoed the stout official taking notes rapidly on a pad and mademoiselle had dark hair and blue eyes they were of the party of four in the second carriage broke in the guard whom jim had questioned earlier in the day it is impossible monsieur they left the train at st etienne a party of four questioned piquette astonished oui madame the two you mentioned besides another man and an older woman what did the other two look like asked jim thinking of harry the old woman had reddish hair streaked with gray the man was small with a hooked nose and the man with the hooked nose did he leave at st etienne too asked jim parbleu now that you mention it said the guard scratching his head i think i saw him a while ago at the rear of the train jim horton scowled find the man with the hooked nose monsieur he muttered but the fussy official was now shrugging and gesticulating wildly it was impossible to do anything more it was like hunting for a needle in a haymow 
his train was already an hour late the search would be taken up in the village where they had stopped but nothing could be done for the present the train would be thoroughly searched and then they must go on in the meanwhile perhaps it would be better for monsieur and madame to change to a vacant compartment jim horton protested but to no avail and after another wait during which there were more waving of lanterns outside and more shouts the train went on upon its way he had to confess himself astonished at the desperate measures his enemies had taken to prevent his revelations who was the small man with the hooked nose it wasn't harry who was tall and whose nose was straight but when they were seated in the new place provided for them a thought came to jim and when the guard came around again he questioned was there anything especially noticeable about the small man with the hooked nose asked jim i don't comprehend monsieur did you notice anything curious in the way he walked for instance no uh, yes now that you mention it i think he walked with a slight limp piquette and jim exchanged quick glances tricot gasped piquette you're sure he is nowhere on the train positive monsieur we have searched everywhere it was with a feeling of some security therefore that jim settled himself again and tried to make piquette comfortable for the remainder of the journey neither of them felt like sleeping now and they talked eagerly of the extraordinary happening there seemed no reason to doubt that their assailant was tricot and that the clever brain of quinlevin had planned the whole affair there was no doubt either that quinlevin had told the apache of piquette's part in the affair of the richaron and that the shots were intended as much for piquette as for him this was the danger in the path of those who betrayed the secrets of the underworld but piquette having recovered from her fright was now again quite composed it's very clear why monsieur quinlevin left the train at st etienne with madame he was afraid she would make trouble yes mon jim also he thought tricot would have success she caught his hand and held it a moment he would have killed me if you hadn't pushed me on the floor pretty clever sizing us up like that then letting tricot do his dirty work he didn't think i'd see him but we know what we're up against now and they'll waste no time in following i've got to get a gun somewhere that's sure and you've got to stop at marseilles at marseilles he nodded i'm not going to let you run your head any further into this noose you see what the danger is but piquette only smiled i knew what the danger was when i offered to come mon ami i'm not going to stay at marseilles i'm going with you as i promise but piquette she put her fingers over his lips you do not know my great force of mind and besides she said they cannot catch us now i can't have you running any more risks he muttered i shall run the risk you run mon jim he smiled at her gently there was something animal-like in her devotion in the dusk of the soft illumination from above the shadows at her eyes and lips seemed more than ever wistful and pathetic why do you dare all this for me piquette why should i not tell you she said gently 
it makes no difference to you but i think i should like you to know it is because i love you mon jim piquette it's true mon ami it has never happened to me before that's why i know no mon jim it is not necessary for you to make believe <laughs> voila you can hold my hand so but i want you to know it was from de first at javet's how else should i have care enough to find you in the rue charron how else would i care enough to find out the difference between you and harry she took a long breath before she went on it did not take me long i assure you for you mon ami were the man i was to love and harry she paused painfully harry was just a mistake i i'm not what you think i am piquette he broke in awkwardly let me finish mon ami she said with a wave of the hand confession is good for the soul they say i want you to know about me i am only what the bon dieu make me a gamine if he wish me to be fille honnête he would not make a gamine c'est la destinée don't piquette i know most men are si bête always the same they talk of love pouf i know toujours la chair but you mon ami she held her breath and then gasped gently you touch me gently with respect like i was a queen you kiss me on the brows like i was a fille bonnet mon dieu what would you is it nothing to be cared for by a man clean like that i do care he said impulsively yes and like that i'd give anything to make you happy she gently disengaged his arm from about her waist didn't care for me like that like you say you care she said gently it is what i wish all i wish mon petit jim he touched her hand with his lips but there seemed nothing to say c'est bien whispered piquette with a smile i think you have taught me something mon jim as you have taught me he blurted out but i won't lie to you piquette that is as it must be and now we understand each other i am very content jim horton from embarrassment at the astonishing confession began to understand its motive and sat silent piquette's hand in his aware of the bond of sympathy between them it's a queer world piquette he said at last with a dry laugh i care for somebody i can't have you care for me why god knows i've made a fine mess of things and will probably go on making a mess of things her life mine yours when you and i might have hit it off from the beginning no mon jim you were not for me piquette she caught his hand in both of her own and with one of her swift transitions from the womanly to the childlike she pleaded and now you will not hide me away in marseilles he smiled at her earnestness and it wasn't in his heart any longer to refuse her no piquette you shall go and impulsively with the innocence that was a part of her charm 
she kissed him fair upon the lips ah mon Gilles, you are very good to me but at marseilles he armed himself with a new automatic and with the weapon in his pocket felt a reasonable sense of security at least until they reached their destination piquette was resourceful and on the train to nice found the answer to the problem that neither of them had been able to solve the old woman with the gray hair she said with an air of conviction after a long period of silence it is nora burke by george cried jim awakening i believe you're right piquette nora burke and he's bringing her along to clinch the thing down here at nice she nodded but we shall reach monsieur le duc first mon jim delays awaited them when they reached the hotel negresco piquette was provided with the name which monsieur le duc chose to use when travelling upon inquiry of the polite gentleman who presided over the destinies of the guests of this newest addition to the luxuries of the promenade des anglais they were informed that monsieur and madame thibault had gone upon a motor journey along the cornice road at the information piquette laughed outright and the polite frenchman frowned is there anything so extraordinary in a motor trip with madame he asked frigidly no nothing monsieur she replied and laughed again but jim horton understood monsieur the duke was relieving piquette of a great moral responsibility they were shown adjoining rooms where they removed the traces of their journey and then met for dinner when they held a consultation as to their future plans if monsieur the duc had gone on a motor trip he might be back that night or he might be away for a week they found that monsieur and madame had taken only a suitcase and the chances were that they would return to the negresco by the morrow but time was precious and it would not be long before quinlevin and his queerly assorted company would be arriving in nice ready in some nefarious way to interfere with their plans and so after dinner they took the train for monte carlo hoping that de vautrin's weakness for gaming would have led him to that earthly paradise of loveliness and iniquity it was late when they reached there but piquette had made no mistake for they found their man at the tables so deeply engrossed that he did not notice their approach or even look up when piquette ignoring the wonderfully accoutred lady at his side addressed him in her most mellifluous tones jim horton took him in with a quick glance of appraisal a man still in his fifties about the age of barry quinlevin but smaller with a thin nose sharp black eyes a bald head and a dyed moustache waxed to long points and the hands upon the green baize of the table wore large rings one set with a ruby the other with an emerald that he was losing some money was indicated by the pucker of his bushy eyebrows and the nervous tapping of his jewelled fingers upon the cloth 
it was not until piquette had spoken his christian name several times that he seemed to hear and then looked up his face a cloud of impatience and ill-temper it is i olivier she repeated piquette you madame he said with a glance at his companion yes monsieur said piquette coolly and it seems that i brought you luck for at that moment a pile of gold and banknotes was swept in his direction ah perhaps he said confusedly and then but it isn't possible i was told that you were coming i can't see you or this monsieur who comes with you go away if you please his attitude was uncompromising his announcement bewildering but piquette was undismayed the red monsieur she said calmly and before he could prevent shoved a pile of the gold coins upon the color and the duke aghast at her impudence sat for a moment scowling at his pile of money the gambler in him arrested by the fascinating click of the little ball red wins announced piquette echoing the croupier you see monsieur it will be wise for you to treat me with more politeness and as he still sat as though fascinated by the turn of his fortune and made no motion to prevent her she put all the money she had won for him on the black black won and piquette laughed gaily while the woman beside de vautrin sat in silence it does not do to venture here with strange goddesses she glanced rather scornfully at the duke's companion and straightened again madame muttered de vautrin the wheel runs for you i have finished said piquette firmly it is enough no growled the duke thrusting his winnings again upon the black you will lose said piquette calmly watching the leaping of the little ball he did all that she had won for him he tried again lost more then turned on her with a frown sacre he began Shh, she silenced allons i did not come to interfere with your games but if madame thibault will permit us and she smiled with diabolical irony at de vautrin's companion i would like to have a word with you at once i will not listen to you or him he scowled at jim i know what it's all about i don't wish to see you are you mad no then what do you mean by this i have come to save you from a great financial disaster you he sputtered what are you doing here with this man it is infamous i want no more of you go no olivier i stay she said quietly you will kindly compose yourself and tell me who has been sending you lying telegrams ah uh, a friend in paris ah what did he say what does it matter to you what he said gasped vautrin you are in love with this monsieur eh bien go to him i don't care i'm through with you ah no you're not olivier said piquette smiling calmly not until i'm through with you and then soberly don't be a fool your petit bleu was sent by monsieur quinlevin he has the best of reasons for not wanting you to see us will you listen to me now quinlevin's name had startled him what do you mean he sputtered End of chapter 14